Welcome to an episode of the Sports Genes Into the Lab podcast, where sports analysts and experts dissect the latest news from the NBA and NFL, giving you a unique view on some of the hottest topics around your favorite teams. From the fresh field smells of the NFL to the hardwood courts of the NBA and possibly your comfy couch for your fantasy football team. Let's see what kind of news the lab is working with today. Here's your host from the Sports Analytics Headquarters in San Antonio, Texas, Ernest Silva. Good morning and welcome to Into the Lab podcast, our new Thursday morning slot, excited to continue season two with our sports scientists. This is episode 29 and I'm your host, Ernest Silva. Find me at the Sport Gene and powered by the mothership, Blue Collar Media Group, where we are back with some fun debates on NBA, NFL and XFL news. This show is coming to you from the sports analytics headquarters in San Antonio, Texas, but your favorite sports analysts are cooking in the lab from all over the globe. Let's cue the announcer and get your morning started off right. From Pittsburgh, football, hockey, gambling writer for the Blue Collar Sports Network, Twitter handle, at Steel Curtain, P-E-H, the most interesting name in the world, Paul. What's going on, guys? Glad to be back. Another week. Let's get at it. From Winnipeg, host of the podcast, The Institute of Drafting, the 2019 Into the Lab NFL Pick'em Champion, Twitter handle at the Phantom Jazzy, Miles Bloomquist. Yeah, that NFL Pick'em Champion is a little bit deceiving because I suck so far in NBA and XFL, but I'm going to make a comeback this week. And last, from the great city of Pittsburgh, heard on the Outside the Paint podcast and featured on Blue Collar Sports as well, Twitter handle at Sports, Von Dalezell. Guys, glad to be back. Exciting weekend uh, for NBA All-Star Weekend. Just want to say Dwayne Wade might be a bigger cheater than the Houston Astros. He most <laughs> definitely is a bigger cheater than the Houston Astros. <laughs> Boy, that NBA odd, All-Star yeah. Weekend, what a, what a, God, that slam dunk contest. I, do we agree that uh, uh, Aaron Gordon probably, probably won that dunk contest? Are we all in agreement of that? For the second time. Yeah. Come on. Five straight 50s? Come well, on. I mean, I picked Derek Jones Jr., so I'm not going to say I'm upset about it, but, I mean, I can go wrong. <laughs> That's very tired. Miles, I was very impressed by your 2-1 two, two and one in the picks being so random. You probably would have made some good money on that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I love getting together with you guys. I love, I love debating, so let's just jump right into the two-round segment today. And, yes, it's only two, not three, so you don't have to be with us all morning. But round one will be an analysis of some NFL player news as well as Interlab's first joint NBA power rankings and some XFL updates. Round two will be all NBA and XFLs. We do our pick'em segment as usual. Well, this is my favorite part, so let's get into the action right now with some round one. Round one. League news and updates. Now, round one, the top stories this morning in sports brought to you by Triple Double Basketball Academy. We will start off with major kudos to Kyle Gorney as the first perfect pick'em week on Into the Lab. Congratulations on going 7-0 and in Moneyline picks and a perfect 4-0 and against the spread picks for the XFL. Hopefully, some of you were listening to this man. I tweeted about it. Hopefully, he won you some money. 
And if he was here, I'm sure he'd give a grandioso speech about how wonderful he is. So, Kyle, wherever you are, congratulations. Guys, you want to wish a congratulations to him as well? Not yes. really. <laughs> <laughs> nah, fuck you, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let, with round one going, let's just get start right right in the NFL. So, new player news coming out from many camps and from many NFL front offices. So, let's just attack these as a group. Starting in New Orleans, Drew Brees will be playing in 2020. Is this a win or a loss for the Saints? Fuck the Big Saints. <laughs> All right. No, I, I think I think we all kind of knew it was coming. Uh, Definitely. Pubbing like. Taysom Hill's the future all they want, but right now, I mean, they, they're in a win now, so Drew Brees is hot back. Yeah, Drew, Drew Brees, it was obvious that he was going to come back. I mean, I don't know who really thought that he would retire, but they're getting him on a pretty good deal for what he's worth. Alvin Kamara had a down year, but still had 81 receptions for the third straight year with Drew Brees. Um, you know, twenty-five million for Breeze, one more year. I think they have another shot at the t- Super Bowl with him. Like you said, Taysom Hill might be in the future if they, if that's what they think. Um, it might be a uh, a long two years for them when he's done because I don't think he's ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. I think yeah, so. That's 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 the question. Go ahead, Miles. I was gonna say I think that this might mean that Teddy Bridgewater is probably gonna leave in free agency because it's already come out that he's got a lot of offers coming his way when uh free agency opens up. So I mean. It'll be pretty tempting for him to take those instead of stay in New Orleans when he knows he's not going to play this year, and they already want Taysom Hill to be the future. So, yeah. do we believe that, that Teddy Bridgewater has been offered thirty million dollars? Uh, man, I, I don't know, Ernest. I, I don't know if it's thirty, but I don't know. Th- this new CBA that's going to be interesting to see mm-hmm. how these guys handle these contracts because if there's going to be a big cap bump from it. You know that might be that might be the going rate. So I I don't, I don't know how to think about it right now. Yeah, I, and if you're New Orleans, it's it's the same problem New England's having. You know, how do you get rid of a franchise quarterback and know when that switch is ready? Uh, you could lose Drew Brees mm-hmm. in the middle of this season if you lose both Bridgewater and Hill. Uh, by any chance, lose both of those guys. You know, who's your next up and coming quarterback? Um, that that's a that's a big question mark for the Saints and for the Patriots and for anybody having a a seasoned quarterback. You know, when's that time? I don't want to say the Falcons. I don't think Matt Ryan's there yet. So Pittsburgh's uh, boat. two years Pittsburgh's boat for sure. Yeah, yeah, Pittsburgh's definitely in that boat. And and you're right. I think yeah, two years is probably the right the right timeline there. Um, but yeah, so Drew Brees coming back. Um, I I, I think was, I think Vaughn said it. Nobody really thought he was leaving, or if it was you, Paul. Sorry, but um, you know it's true. I didn't I didn't think he was not coming back. And so now the Saints are going to have Drew Brees at the helm for another year. Let's switch. Let's go out of Seattle. Greg Olson signing a one year seven million dollar deal. Is this a bigger win for Olson or a bigger loss for Will Disley? Uh, no, the Seahawks are stupid because they'd like to overpay tight ends way out of their prime who are just going to be really shit and end up on IR by week four. So, I mean, Will Disley will be fine <laughs> because Olsen's just a waste of money at this point. I totally agree. I would like to see him retire. I'd like to see him retire. Really? I don't know. I, I just think, I, he, Vaughn, he hasn't played a full season and we're, we're going on year four. Oh, I yeah, mean, I – yeah, I hear that. I agree. Like, injury-wise, he's definitely a risk. But reward-wise, I mean, you throw a guy like that 
in there and he's playing down the stretch and he's healthy or in the playoffs, then I think that guy's a plus for your team. I mean, he probably did get a little bit too much money for his age and what he's given. But, uh, I mean, you pair him and Walt Disley together, I mean, Olsen could definitely sneak around with a, a little Wilson magic. You know, he gets out the pocket. He's, I'm, I don't think that's a bad move at all. I'm not, I think it's a better move for Olsen than the Seahawks to Ernest answers yeah. to this yeah. question. But, I mean, so, I still think he can contribute. So, if you're playing Disley and Olsen together, then which receiver is getting the lack of production? Who's 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 jumping? Is that Lockett then, or is that Metcalf? I, I mean, think Metcalf. Lockett will be the number one next year. So you I think Lock? Do you think Lockett's number one still going in next year? I gotta see, but DK, if if DK approves his route running, I mean, he's he's got to be the one if he if he can run a different route than this, you know, a streak. I oh, love Seattle. I'd much rather have him on a number two corner than Lockett. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I, so I mean, let I me let it. me get a. Con- let me get a consensus here. Consensus, and I'll start a consensus, and I'll start with you, Miles. Does this make them a better team compared to last year? No, it changes absolutely nothing, and if anything, it makes them slightly worse because you're just investing seven million in dead cap at this point. Like I, I strongly dislike the signing. Like the only place Olsen should have gone is maybe Buffalo because they actually need a tight end, or even New England. But I, I just don't see the point of overpaying another tight end way past their prime at this point is really just expired goods mm-hmm. what about you paul that's how i feel I, I i don't think it makes them i don't think it adds a win to them um i like that they i like disley a lot and i i don't know i i don't really know what that's gonna what that's gonna look like when they try to put them to and lock it and dk on the field so i'm gonna have to see it fun they get a caliber veteran tight end that's been to the playoffs in the Super Bowl, but they give up way too much cap space. And does it win them one more game at all? No, probably not. Yeah, I have to agree with that take. I don't think it gives them any more wins. And Will Disley also, two years in a row now, injury-prone. So you got two injury-prone tight ends. So maybe you just hope one of them is there going into the postseason instead of having no tight ends going into the postseason. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. And exactly. – um, yeah, that, that takes us to Washington. So news coming from Washington is that Adrian Peterson's team option was picked up. And Adrian Peterson, will, will Adrian Peterson find success under Ron Rivera? I would think yes. I, I mean, I would think yes. I mean, they'd like to run the ball. Um, Chris Thompson should be interesting in there with the way uh, McCaffrey was getting the ball out of the backfield. So that should be interesting to see. No, I don't believe. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't. I don't really believe in Peterson being much of a factor because Geis was out for all of last year, pretty much. Which yeah. is why Peterson yeah. got most of his time. And not only that, but they have Bryce Love on the bench, who you know pretty much sat most of the year and played a lot of special teams. But going into his second year, I could see them using Bryce Love more, and they're always going to use Thompson as a. You know, third down back, a guy who can catch the ball. So I, I honestly don't see Peterson really being much of a factor for uh, Washington. But I, I guarantee, like when those injuries come around, which they for sure will, because it's Washington. Uh, Peterson will once again pretty much save that running back core, and he's always just good for morale. And I know the guys love him there, so I, I think he's still a good guy to keep around. But he's not going to be a factor for them on the field. It feels like guys insurance. Doesn't yeah. it? It just, yeah. just, I mean, Absolutely. just feels like, like guys, I mean, preseason will get hurt all over again and you're not searching for a workhorse back, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, not that I think Adrian Peterson could last as a workhorse back, back to past eight weeks, but it's something. Um, but yeah, so Washington used Adrian Peterson staying there. But we do have some breaking news fresh off the press uh, coming from us from the NFL or coming to us from the NFL, looking to expand the playoff system to seven teams in each conference. Um, so so this, this is fresh. We haven't seen any reactions on the news or anything of that nature. Let's start with Vaughn on this one. Vaughn, how are you feeling about a seven-team playoff on each side? I think the NFL might be getting a little nervous with the success for two weeks. Why are they trying to switch up so much? I don't like this move at all. I don't see why to expand to seven teams. Uh, I don't see why they would expand an extra game in the regular season as well. The only viable option I've seen them do so far was uh, take away a preseason game or two. I think that's what the NFL should go. Go rather should go. Um, I don't think I don't think adding in the Steelers or the Rams last year would have made a difference. And I don't think whoever the seventh seed is this year will make a difference. Um, it's just, I think the NFL is trying to get more viewership back after the past couple of years. And in my opinion, they're just doing too much. Yeah. What about you, Paul? How are you feeling about it? Uh, I don't like it. I mean, getting in the NFL playoffs is you're, you know, elite, I, I feel like, and you're at another team. That's pretty much half the conference getting into the playoffs. And I just don't. Uh, like like Vaughn said, I mean the the seven seeds this year would have been irrelevant. They'll be irrelevant. Um, I, I just don't. I don't know. I, we're definitely going to see seven and nine team get in there, and I don't think any of us want to see that really. Yeah, not at all. Miles, I left you last on purpose to see what you thought about the whole thing because I know you're an underdog story. So how do you feel about seven teams now in the playoffs on each side? Okay, if they're going forward with seven teams in the playoffs, and you got to think that they're also going to go forward with a 17-game season, you kind of need to space out more time if you're going to have more teams in the playoffs. And uh, I feel like I'm definitely in the minority here, but I like the idea of it as a viewer when you're concerned about you know player safety and also like how it will structure the playoffs. I think that, yeah, there's some concerns, but look at the NBA. That's an eight-team playoff on each conference, or same with the NHL. So I think it's doable in major leagues. In the NFL, it's obviously a different story. It's a completely different sport. But, um, I mean, you look at the NFC, the seventh seed there, yeah, wouldn't have been great. But I think when you talk about, like, someone like the Titans who just snuck in, you know, those underdog stories can definitely happen. And that's the exciting part about sports. So I'm all for it. Um, but it will be interesting to see how the NFL handles it because they do handle it poorly. It could be a disaster. I, I think if they're going to go to 17 games and eliminate the preseason games, they're going to have to expand rosters. Like, mm-hmm. they're going to have to at least, you know, 57, that, 62. That, that won't be a problem, though, because they're going to get that extra revenue from that game, and it's going to be enormous. And that's their goal. Absolutely. I think they're just money hungry, and they want more money as much as possible to pay the players, pay themselves the media companies well that's what it comes down to are they going to give the players 50 you know what is in the nba uh yeah you're not getting paid like the nba they need to understand that there's no way like you're not getting paid 42 million yeah it's too too many people yeah takes too many people to field a team in order to pay like the nba i you know i for one though on the whole system i love it because my team's been so mediocre for so long gives us a chance to make the playoffs right and so uh, you know, if if we couldn't make it eight teams on each side, I'd be good with that, right? But then you're saying half the team makes the playoffs. I mean, half the league makes the playoffs, so um, it's not really uh, prestigious anymore. Um, but you make a 
you make a good point there by saying like, oh, my team can make the playoffs. Like that's the that's the that's a guaranteed driving factor because right. people want to see people want to see their teams in the playoffs. And if you get two extra teams, that's two extra fan bases that are insanely happy and going to be watching games and buying merch and getting excited. So yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a big money thing, but it's also great for the fans too. It's a win-win situation either way, in my opinion, except for the players who, you know, definitely will be very cautious about it. You make a 17-week season or you make a 17-game season adding an extra bye week and adding an extra round in the playoffs or uh, making a second seed have to play. I could see if preseason was completely eliminated, I would be okay with it if that was the deal. But if you're talking about players having to play extra and then also having to practice reps in the beginning of the year, four extra weeks, I, I just I can't see that passing. I think a, I can't. I think an interesting idea could be if you also you can also incorporate the Pro Bowl into this. So essentially, what I think a good idea is is like you know, or three quarters or halfway through the season, have a two week buy for every team, and then that will be your lead up to the Pro Bowl. And then you can revamp the Pro Bowl and stuff, get people excited for the Pro Bowl. Then it passes. Then you have another week off, or you're preparing for your next game, and that way you get a lot of time off to heal and recover for this long season. And also, you get to hype up the Pro Bowl a lot more. I think that could be an interesting idea. Yeah, so definitely debates on both sides. I mean, I can I can love it, I can shove it. It just kind of depends on on what it what what it's going to look like, and we'll we'll see from the CBA what really comes out from all of it. But you know, obviously, as more information comes out on Into the Lab and on Blue Collar Media Group's different podcasts, will be places to follow raw analysis on each NFL story. Um, but Miles, sticking with the NFL, what are some rumors you're hearing coming out of Miami pertaining to the draft? Uh, this is not Miami related. I'll jump into that right away. But this just came up. Um, I think this came out earlier saying Greg Robinson got arrested at the border with marijuana. Uh, he's facing 20 years in prison, and that's the end of his career for sure. Um, oh, wow. Ta- talking about Miami, um, you know, Miami has been linked to a quarterback in the draft all year long. I mean, you go to the start of the year, the tank for Tua trend, that was a big thing. But that's changed at the start of the season because of the rise of Joe Burrow, Tua's hip injury, Miami not having the first overall pick instead of falling to fifth. Um, there's a interesting story there because they can still get Tua at fifth, most likely, assuming that there's no trade-up or Detroit doesn't surprise anyone. Um, so why not go and grab your guy? Well, that injury is very concerning. and they're starting to consider Justin Herbert instead as their future guy. And honestly, if Herbert impresses at the combine, that would be a great move on Miami's part because I like him more than Tua personally. I think Herbert should have declared last year. I think he had a better chance at going higher there. He, I think he could have gone before Kyler, even if he's not necessarily a better player because Kyler had a very good season. But I do enjoy Herbert a lot. And I think Miami could make a power move by taking him instead of Tua. And that would actually really shake up this draft, in my opinion. Yeah, who do we believe? I think we, we've talked about this before, but are we still under the belief that Joe Burrow is the best quarterback out of this group of guys, or are we still on the fence on who we love? Absolutely. I mean, he's I going like number one. one. I mean, he's going number one. He's going number one for sure, but I like yeah. Tua. So we believe, we believe that he's not going to pull the Eli Manning like the rumors have suggested that people are giving him the advice and try to drop down from number one. That's that's so stupid because if you like believe that Cincinnati is not committed to winning, I mean, yeah, there's concerns that they aren't, but don't forget Marvin Lewis was their coach for way too long. And now with that culture change, as long as Zach Taylor can implement it, I think 
Burrow will have an amazing career in Cincinnati. And uh, to, or not to, uh, Chad Johnson already went to go talk to his family and talk to Burrow. So, you know, he's going to hype them up. Cincinnati loves their franchise guys, and Chad Johnson's the perfect example of that. So, no, he shouldn't, and Burrow is for sure going to be first to the Bengals. Awesome. Yeah, well, thanks for that, Miles. And I, I like hearing those rumors coming out of Miami, especially with any draft news. If you haven't uh, heard from Miles Institute of Drafting podcast, it's a fantastic podcast. You can catch some of the up-to-date drafting news and with up-and-coming NFL stars. But let's switch gears to the XFL. A lot of great games this past week, and week two was another success in my opinion. Um, what are your reactions to the games? Any surprises or disappointments come from the XFL games that you were watching? No, I I, I thought they kind of went to script last week. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a couple, uh, I don't know, a couple snoozers in the first half, but they turned into good games in the second half. Uh, I'm just looking forward to – you can see why the NFL – protects the quarterback so much just because from this league like if you don't have a quarterback it's just like the nfl you're not going to win games you can just see it yeah and i i I for one am am very excited that the houston roughnecks are a fantastic team trust me it was definitely me that was rooting and cheering as i'm watching the patrick mahomes of the xfl play um for for houston so very hyped there and I, I think I think I'm hearing a surprise guest come on. Is that the great Steve Reisner? Yes, yes, that is me. That is me. Have no fear. Steve is here. <laughs> the, the host of the podcast, slightly biased, has joined us. The great Steve Reisner, or uh, what he's trying out, the stone cold Steve Reisner. How you doing, buddy? Definitely still at work. Okay. <laughs> Steve joining us from the field today. Appreciate you joining us, Steve. I appreciate uh, you always letting me on whenever I so please. It's kind of like Dre. <laughs> yeah. oh, that, that guy's been MIA now for two weeks, so uh, we're hoping that the snake hasn't gotten him. Um, that's yeah. for sure. Blue. Now uh, let's let me go to you, Paul. You're you're going to talk to us about some cross league drama and some <clears throat> between the XFL and CFL. Talk to us a little bit. Yeah. So uh, this week, the uh, XFL pretty much came out and said that they're going to try to target high profile CFL guys, um, try to get them in the league. Um, there was already preseason stuff between the two. Um, the XFL got a few of the veteran guys from CFL. Uh, they signed another guy to the night. Uh, which, if you don't know, it's like a pool of players. If, you know, people get hurt, you can pull out of. Uh, uh, I think it would be a good move for them to go after the CFL. Um, you know, there is some talent up there. And, and it, they need another pool of talent. I, I I don't know how that's going to draft, you know, that they're going to have a <laughs> draft or how they're going to do it. But uh, that's a good pool of players to go and pull from can. Um, I'm real interested to see what they're going to pay these guys because the CFO obviously makes more. So what would the draw be for them to come here is my question. Yeah, and especially how much money is on the table and how can they entice them more with benefits and what their agreement was was, was going to be. Um, Miles, do you have any insight on, on that CFL-XFL debate or anything else coming out of the XFL this week? Uh, well, I didn't even know that that CFL thing was happening, but that's pretty cool because, uh, I mean, I, I, I am host of the CFL because uh, I live in Canada. 
And uh, I gotta say that there are definitely some good CFL players, and I think that you know, I really like that sort of league blending, and you know, having players getting more opportunities to sign somewhere else that you can get a lot of attention. And there's a lot of great guys out of the CFL. I'll tell you that right now, like. NFL talent is found in the CFL, that's for sure. Um, but uh, I, I like that. Um, I think that's going to be really exciting. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. I'm going to switch gears. Let's talk about the NBA and go into basketball news. This is what, one of my favorite segments. And we talk about news coming out of Los Angeles. Vaughn, I'm bringing you in. This is your domain. What's going on with Reggie Jackson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the, the Clippers just bought out Reggie Jackson from the Pistons. And that's got to be the biggest news uh, post-All-Star weekend by far. Jackson is an average starter in the NBA, and he's going to be coming off the bench now for Doc Rivers. Uh, at 29 years old, he's, he's in his last year of a five-year $80 million contract. The Clippers are going to take that on. He's averaged 15 points and five assists in 14 games. Uh, he missed most of the season because of a back injury. And he's been coming back. He's had a couple couple twenty point games now, six of his of his last fourteen. Um, some high assist games as well, four or five of those in the eight, nine, and above range. So that's a threat off the bench. The Clippers roster is deep. I mean, they're really a twelve deep team. But uh, t- talking about their rotation wise, when the playoff comes around, I mean, they're nine or ten strong, and they have Lou Will, Landry Shamet, Patrick Beverly, and now Reggie Jack. All that point guard and shooting guard to help out Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, they certainly made a push for the championship making this move. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that puts the rotation at eight, nine deep that solid starters Doc can rely on, which makes the Clippers a little bit more fearful in the West. Um, and and so a lot of lot of ball though that has to go around with with Reggie Jackson now joining. Mm-hmm. The, the Clippers rotation because if you think about that, Lou Williams likes to kind of lead that second unit, so he might have to play off the ball quite a bit. I don't think but, I've seen him play in a system where he has to play off the ball completely. So, but, but that's I what? think that's what he's going to sell because I mean he's averaging five assists on the year and he's had a couple of those high assist games, like I said. But, but if they just ask him to rotate the ball around with Lou Will, Landry Shamet, and Montrez Harrell on the floor, I mean that's that's a very successful yeah. group, and Reggie Jackson could definitely you know, average 10 points and six assists off the bench easily for the Clippers in 25 minutes. I think there's only one other team in the NBA that has a pretty solid second rotation like that, and they live in Texas, so I won't. I mean, well, you got you two. I wanted to say your opinion, like, what has changed with, you know, Reggie? I mean, that's why he left Oklahoma City. He wanted his own team. Like, right. That, like, this, he's just going to be like, okay, I'm going on the bench, and I'll come in and – you know, contribute, or I mean, you think that that's all changed? Oh, so, you think he pushes Patrick Beverly down to the second unit? No, I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying that's what he wanted. That's why he left Oklahoma City. He wanted to be yeah. the guy. Like, yeah. you know that's what I mean? true. So, but that, I, that was I, also that was also in 2014 and 15, though, when he decided that you know he wanted to do that. And he's all he's you know that's been five seasons with Detroit now, and he's he might be ready to face the fact. You know, I mean. I'm sure five seasons in Detroit would do that to anybody. Ask Andre Drummond. Yeah, that blows my mind. That was five seasons ago. That feels like that was just a couple of seasons ago. Honestly, that yeah. that that's mind-boggling right there. 
Well, let, let's talk about a different story because we're going to talk about the Clippers in just a second. Let's talk about another story coming from Ohio, which is Cleveland. And, and does Cleveland have a problem or did they solve the problem by letting John Beeline go? And Steve, have you been up to date with the news on John Beeline? Uh, sort of. So he got fired and now he's in uh, some sort of like front office position or something. Yeah, I, I was catching it while I was at work. So yeah, they're basically saying that he's resigning from the head coaching gig, and that Bickerstaff, JB Bickerstaff, will jump up to the head coaching, and he's going to take a side role somewhere. What are what are our takes on this? Was this just them kind of CYing with having to pay him still, or is is this a, a management shift because of Andre Drummond? Well, no one fucking liked him. So. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's, it's pretty good to have a coach when everyone hates you. Yeah, that He's the one. That's a very questionable call from the hire. Yes. Yeah, really. Well, it, it just looked like a tank move, right? I mean, an unproven six-year-old coach from. I mean, successful in college, but that, that never translates. Not every single time. I heard uh, there's six coaches in seven years, something like that. Yeah, that's not surprising. <laughs> well, that's how you LeBron build era. a franchise, right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think anytime LeBron's not in that franchise, there's no problem solver. I mean that that team that that's just gonna be a mess of a franchise. I mean, <coughs> honestly, who well, are the it's because they couldn't build themselves right when they when they had LeBron because he was holding the hostage with one two year deal, one year deals mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. They just kept building their team for one year runs, mm-hmm. and then they never built towards the future. Now you're fucked. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Kyrie Irving, obviously, we found out what kind of case that was to hold the team together while LeBron left. Uh, that was the yeah. nail in the coffin. Yeah, the he's a great leader. <laughs> VP of the Players Association. Thank you, Mr. VP. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, such a joke. You guys see people are talking about there's going to be spiritual compensation now in the NBA the next five years. <laughs> yeah, so funny. And that you're still it. trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's been no movement. They're, they're, they're going to come to him with a serious problem. He's going to be like, well, you know, the thing is, but it's really just a game, but it's not just a game. Do you understand what I'm saying? The earth is flat. Yes. It's flat. <laughs> they're like, what? <laughs> Ky- I, I, Kyrie, I, this is not at all what we're talking about right now. You have to get on subject. I guarantee you when Kyrie Irving is in his 40s and he's retired, he's going to go into space just to prove a point. He's going to find out that the earth is not flat. He's going to come back down and tweet. <laughs> And just tweet hashtag my bad. And that's all he's going to say. <laughs> that's going to be the whole he segment honest, for him. He could honestly be a good. <laughs> I think that'd be, and it'd be one of the mo- most watched things of the 2030s. <laughs> Kyrie Irving's proof that the earth is flat. And he just comes back and says, my bad. That's it. Everybody has to go on with their lives. Remember when ESPN did the decision for LeBron? Yeah. They, 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 they do the landing for Kyrie. <laughs> The just, just be, just be and for his rocket to land. I was wrong. I think Yo, can I good... go back to Boston? Let's let's put Antonio Brown on that flight too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Brown and Logan Paul. Here we got yeah. a mission. Von- hey, the... throw, throw Vontaze perfect in there as a peacekeeper. Yeah. Space <laughs> space ambassador and politician Dennis Rod. <laughs> is behind the entire investment. That's a squad. <laughs> yep. That's it. 
Well, I think that's a good landing point for our first NBA power ranking. So let's 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 end the, the <laughs> new segment talking about our power rankings because we were all over the place. We decided for the first time I was going to ask every podcast sports scientist, <laughs> give me your top five West teams, give me your top five East teams in the NBA, and let's debate and see how it comes out. And we were pretty unanimous at the top of each of each power ranking, and at the and that's pretty much it. Everything else is a mix up. So let's talk about how the East came out. The East came out with the Bucks in the one spot, and that was unanimous. Everybody had the Milwaukee Bucks as the best team in the East. Uh, uh, anybody have any other side debates as why Milwaukee shouldn't be listed as the best team in the East? Because Boston. Boston. <laughs> Boston is my team. Nobody chose Boston over Milwaukee, so I'll, I'll ignore that, but I am going to go to Boston next. So Boston is the number two consensus uh, team in the East so far um, up to the, the first half of the season or, or the first uh, portion of the season before the pre-All-Star break. Let's just leave it at that. So Boston's number two. Um, I had Boston number two as well. Um, I don't think anybody else had bo- anything other than Milwaukee-Boston, but Boston, clear case. They're playing great basketball. Fantastic team. We have Boston people on here, so I should shut up. Steve, what do you think about Boston? Oh, they're, they're fantastic. I mean, just com- <laughs> my completely unbiased opinion. I have no... No way, no reason to feel strongly about the Celtics, you know. But no, they're they're, they're great. I, I've loved how this season's gone. But the fact that in the offseason we lost Kyrie Irving and Al Horford, and we're gonna have a better record than we did last year, just goes yeah. to just this is a testament to how good Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens are at building rosters. Yeah, I, th- I think that's big time, Brad Stevens, right there. Like I think. Oh, absolutely. That's that's uh, the next great NBA coach right in front of us. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Miles, I'm going to go to you too. I know you're the big Boston fan as well. Kemba. <laughs> I thought you were going to sing the Lion King song, but change it in with Kemba's name somewhere in there. Nah, just Kemba. That's all you need to know. Kemba that's Tatum, that's, that's and... what we can work on. We can work on that. <laughs> Kemba, Tatum, uh, Smart, uh, Hayward, uh, uh... Fucking Brad Stevens. Uh, we got a lot of rings. Uh, Boston's good. Just one of those word banks I was waiting. Playoffs, NBA championship, parade. Done. Sixers so. suck. <laughs> well, we're going to get to them. They're, they're towards Sixers the end of this conversation. Sixers fucking suck. Our, our number three <laughs> consensus uh, East team was the Raptors. And so, uh, you know, kind of debating with the Raptors having the second best record in the East. Um, you know, why they fell to three, but um, I'll start with you, Vaughn. Why do you think the Raptors are the third best team in the East? Well, well kind of what the Steve hit on, and Miles, too. I think this thing that separates between Boston and Toronto is Boston has Danny Age and Brad Stevens, and what they built there, they have a championship mentality and a playoff roster that's had that chemistry for years. Kemba's the only one that slid right in there, and it's, it's worked perfectly so far. Uh, I mean, Toronto. Honestly, it's a great team. They've exceeded everyone's expectations. Their over-under coming into the season was 45 and a half games. They've won 40 in the first half. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. So, and, you know, and 21 and 7 at home. So, I mean, they're a great team. They're one of three teams with a winning road white record in the East. But I think that uh, that championship experience outside of the Kawhi year gives Boston the edge. Yep, I didn't have them that high. I had them at four, and I had the next team that was going to be on the list, which is Miami. Miami finishes our consensus number four pick in the East, so uh, dropping the Sixers into the bottom four if, they, if we're looking at playoff-wise. But Miami is listed at four. Paul, why do you think the Heat are being, are, have been so successful with Jimmy Butler this year? Um, I, I just think that they, you know, Pat Riley can build something down there, and Spolster's a good coach too. I mean, he's another one that, 
you know, he didn't fall off after LeBron left. You know what I mean? Like he's always kept them right around, you know, playoffs sniffing around there. Um, Bam, Bam's changed a lot of stuff down there. I mean, you've seen in the skills competition, he's a big man that can, you know, do everything. He can facilitate, he can protect the rim. So um, I, I just like what they're doing down there in Miami. I don't think that they're, I don't think that they can take you out any of those top three teams, but I think yeah, they me can, neither. I, I think they can beat the Sixers. Like if they have the home court, I think they could beat the Sixers. So I'm not, I'm not as sold on the Raptors as you are. I don't think the Raptors are a legit title contender. So I, w- I, w- I would see the Heat beating the Raptors in a six, seven game series if it came to that. I could see that. Yeah, yeah I, um, could see that. I could see that. I could absolutely see that. Yeah, yeah. I could definitely see that because there's not, there's I'm, not I'm on a- Toronto. You're on. You like Toronto in that type of yeah, series. Yeah, I like Toronto in that. Series. I, I just is there a bona fide superstar that takes over in the last five minutes of a game, like? Yeah, what Spicy Jimmy Butler Pete? could do. Kyle Lowry. I mean, yeah, Kyle, Kyle Lowry, Kyle and Lowry. he'll throw up a few bricks. No, I and mean, he'll flop. Said, what did he do in the finals? Game <laughs> seven. No. <laughs> He's played some great playoff games. I mean, Look, obviously, he, that guy gives it 110%. I love Kyle Lowry. I, I just He's... don't see the Miami Heat scoring enough points against the Toronto Raptors. I think that's the biggest thing. The Raptors score an insane amount of points at home. And the Miami Heat don't. That's fair. That's fair. It's a good point. I, I love Kyle Lowry. He's a former Rocket. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bash on the guy. Um, I do think he flops a lot, but um, you know what fish doesn't. So uh, let's <laughs> talk about let's talk about uh, the Sixers since we really haven't, and we'll just kind of briefly touch it and go to the West. Uh, Sixers were the five uh, fifth best team, or the or the, the five seed if you're looking at playoff wise. Um, and I just think their chemistry is absolutely. Uh, terrible right now. I don't think Simmons and Embiid like each other at all. Um, I think they try to put a facade on for the public, and and I think Hor- Al Horford came out and said it. You know, we have locker room problems. Um, I, there's, I think there's a lot of turmoil in Philadelphia. But don't let me take the whole segment. What do you guys think about that Philly uh, team? Ben Sixers Simmons suck. is overrated trash. <laughs> I, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's that Embiid and Simmons don't like each other. I just think they can't really coexist. And I really think that Al Horford was an overhyped signing, and looking back on it now, that's obvious. Mm-hmm. But they, they they just haven't put a, a successful roster together when they had the money. I mean, they chose Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler, and that was probably problem number one. But Butler probably could never coexist for uh, three, four, five years with Embiid and Simmons either. Definitely. So I think that, that was that, a problem. That's a powder keg, Embiid, yeah. Simmons, and Butler. But at the same time, Tobias Harris is so dead. Yeah, they're nine and nineteen on the road. Terrible. They can't win yeah. a road game. I did hear a conspiracy theory of Ben Simmons going to LA. One of those uh, LeBron in the All Star Weekend hype conspiracy theories. How he picked AD last year, and the first cross conference pick was Ben Simmons going to Team LeBron, and that they are good friends. Um, and so uh, to see that to the, that would send Kyle Kuzma over to Philadelphia. This is next year, of course. Send Kyle Kuzma over to. Uh, Philly and and just a, a bunch of a bunch of things had to happen. But what what do you guys think about that with an AD LeBron Simmons big three in LA? Well, that it doesn't make suck. any sense because Simmons can't shoot, so all he can do is drive to the rim where LeBron and AD are gonna be. They already have Rajon Rondo. Handle it if Simmons missed a big three in like a big playoff game. It had cost him the game because you know you know he's not hitting the threes. 
Well, you're going to see that this year with Kyle Kuzma and see how that reaction is going to be. So when Kyle Kuzma has that corner three lined up, open, down by two, and he's going to take it because he he's, he's the best player on the team and uh, with his new hairdo. Anyways, let's talk Let's talk about the real conference. Let's talk about the – I'm sorry, not the real conference, but the, the, the other conference that has right. top, top five teams uh, that, that are highly debatable that can interchange. Uh, the Lakers were unanimously number one. Um, LeBron and AD obviously have led – uh, their team to the best record in the West. Uh, any reason why the Lakers shouldn't be number one in the West? Because they have no guards. Yeah, that's definitely a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, they're not well rounded. Just right now, they're they're the most wins. I mean, right now. Yeah, the, the way the way they're playing right now is why I had to put them at one. But I don't think they're the most well rounded overall best team. Yeah, I think I misspoke there. I think I said it was unanimous number one, but that wasn't. It was just the Bucks that were unanimous. I I did not have the Lakers number one, as you can imagine. So, yeah, that's um, so and I'll I'll make my case in a second. But the Lakers don't have any guards. The only person who's bringing up the ball is going to be LeBron. So, who's going to control that second unit? And who's going to be? Is it Rajon? I mean, I think I think everything falls on Rajon Rondo at that point, right, to lead that second unit. So, is that good enough? No. Um, Caldwell Pope, maybe. Um, on on offsets, I don't know. That's that's strange, but they they are huge, which make, gives them a playoff advantage. They're, they're massive. Everybody is, is, I think they have like six or seven players over over six eight. So, um, that's that's a big team. Um, but yeah, the Lakers so far are are were, were our number one. The, the Rockets came in at number two, which was surprising to me that you guys had the Rockets Wait, higher the up. Who yeah, put the Rockets very, high? very surprising. I had Rockets at one. I just so you know that I'm being legit about this. I had Rockets at one, so it kind of offset Miles num- number six for the Rockets. So I'm not sure where Miles was at for that. Um, and then and then everybody else had the Rockets at three. So that average wise, that put the Rockets up there at at the second spot. So the Rockets are the two. I do want to point out we've talked about the trade on multiple podcasts, multiple segments, but Clint Capella is now going to be out another month. You've got to think that that factored into that trade that Darren Morey had a guy that also can't sit in the rotation, but also wasn't going to be able to play when they needed to make a run and, and get into the top five. I'm sorry, the top three. So um, turning in three unplayable players into Robert Covington, I'm now giving that trade even higher. I think it's an A minus now for the Rockets in that trade. Um, but what do you guys think? Rockets number two in the West. Miles, you you don't get to talk, talk yet. Let me wait on you. Uh, I, I, had the Clip, I had the Clippers in two. I, I, think, I think when it comes down to it, like that'll be an interesting series with them and the Rockets. I, I, I think I'd, I'd lean Clippers because uh, of the defense. Uh, they can match up better than most teams in the West. Vaughn, how do you feel about the Rockets? I mean, obviously, I love the Rock. I love the Westbrook and Harden duo. I think it's been the most successful duo um, outside of outside of AD and LeBron, probably, uh, just because they've got the wins to back it up. But I would take the Clippers team as a deeper team right now. But with the Rockets' small ball lineup, they're really unguardable. And, uh, and you know, they're averaging 118 points a game right now. And that's only going to go up with this lineup. So uh, I could see them. It's a three-team race here in the West. and. Uh, yeah, I, I think if they make it to the Western Conference Finals, uh, they'd probably be my pick, honestly, if they make it that far. Yep, and we and we got uh we got we have a uh, news with the Rockets with Jeff Green, good old Jeff Green, and uh, Damari Carroll now joining the Rockets. So, uh, just gets deeper. See if we can spark a fire under some some old names. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Green. But, but, 
<laughs> Good old Jeff Green. Um, but let's let's go to the next one, which which you guys have kind of segued to. Are, it's the Clippers, right? The Los Angeles Clippers. Top three, we're, we're pretty much in different orders other than Miles. Um, and Miles, did you want to chime in on the Rockets at all? Fucking overrated. <laughs> okay, thanks, Miles. Good and analysis. The, Clip- the Clippers have um, Kawhi Leonard, uh, load management king, and... Paul George, who is out for a month and plays two weeks and out for a month, and then the rest of their team. Um, but they came in at the three spot for the West, and so I've heard a couple cases now as to why you think they're the second-best team. Steve, what do you think about the Clippers? Uh, now, right now, I think the Rockets are playing better than the Clippers are. Um, Kawhi Leonard may have gotten exposed by Jason Tatum, or maybe Jason Tatum's just really fucking good. But mm-hmm. uh, I it, in the playoff series... I give it to the Clippers. I, I have the Rockets ahead of them right now in the regular season because of the way they're playing, but they're not going to get those uh, all those foul calls in the playoffs. True. So uh, a, a playoff series, I would give to the Clippers, but the reason, I, part of the reason also that I had them at number three is I need to see how Reggie Jackson is going to mesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. Um and and our four spot were the Jazz, the Utah Jazz, which was surprising again. I haven't said a team that I really thought was going to be up there, but the Utah Jazz came in four in our West. Um, anybody have any insight on the Jazz, why the Jazz are a top four team right now? I had the Jazz as third in mind because they're a, amazing at home. I mean, like, you want to talk about how good some teams are at home. At Utah is just shut down at home. And not only that, they can score while playing good defense consistently. You don't see that a lot in the NBA. So, I mean, it's really going to be hard to take down Utah once you get deep into the season. Yeah, I mean, I think Utah's a good team. I just I don't think they're a great team. Go ahead, Paul. Yeah, no, I feel the same way like Miles does. I, I feel like at home, if they're in the you know that four, I, I just feel like they'll win. I feel like they'll win that series uh, against anybody. And I, I'm, I don't believe in the Nuggets, so um, I like where the Mavs are going. But like, Jazz are just ahead of those two teams. I mean, they they just are. Yeah, and coming in on fifth were the Denver Nuggets, and the Nuggets came in last in in what I would consider the top five categories for the, for the West. I was surprised. I thought the Nuggets would be up there, um, but I I have seen them be very roller coasterish with their with their play this year, which might which might be behind the Joker. Nikola Jokic's play has been up and down. So Vaughn, do you think the Nuggets deserve the five spot for right now? And and what do you think? So it's it's sad to say because they're in the two seed through the first half of the season and we give them number five spot. But I think that it's well known now that the Denver Nuggets are a regular season team, and that's why they get this ranking from us. Um, if we're talking playoffs, I'm taking the Dallas Mavericks before them. Uh, mm-hmm. I like what he's doing. And both teams have dealt with injuries. The Nuggets had Jamal Murray and a couple other players out, and they rolled, uh, similar to how the Jazz went on that 14, and fi- 14 out of 15 game. <laughs> and uh, the Mavericks had a good, good, had a good run, too, without him. We saw poor Zingas pick up the slack, so... You know, Nuggets, yeah, five, six. They might be the fifth or sixth biggest threat, but I'll take the Mavericks over them if we're talking top five. Yeah, and if, and if we're going to talk about uh, how these teams are currently and how they look, um, got to believe that this is the correct lineup here. So just to recap from Into the Lab's first power rankings, the East, number one, the Bucks, number two, the Celtics, number three, the Raptors, number four, the Heat, number five, the Sixers. 
And then in the West, number one, the Lakers, number two, the Rockets, number three, the Clippers, number four, the Jazz, and number five, the Nuggets. So our first top five power ranking, and we'll keep that up to date. I don't know if we'll do it weekly. We may do it bi-weekly, but I want to keep up to date so we can keep the pulse on some of the top teams as we watch them take the road to the championship. <coughs> We're going to end round one there and go to the last round, our second round. In our Pick'em segment, we're going to go right through these. But stay with us, folks. We'll be, at, we'll be back right after this commercial break. Before we start round two on the Sport Genes Into the Lab podcast, we'd like to remind any listeners that if you play basketball and you are from the ages of 8 to 18 in the Rio Grande Valley, check out Triple Double Basketball Academy, one of the premier programs in Texas located at the center of the RGV in Harlingen, Texas. Find your young basketball pros practicing ball handling techniques, proper shooting forms, learning strength and conditioning techniques, and gain unmatchable experience with elite state tournament play. Follow on Facebook or visit www.tripledoublebasketballacademy.org. Triple Double Basketball Academy, where each basketball player grows no matter what. Round 2. Weekly Pick'em and Game Outlooks. Round 2, our XFL and NBA Pick'em. We're just going to jump right into it and look at our games for the week. We're going to start with the XFL, where we're going to start off with the Houston Roughnecks traveling over to the Tampa Bay uh, Vipers and Houston. Six-point favorites on the road. I love to start this one off with Miles. So, Miles, bring this game in for us. I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. What game was it? It's okay. Houston and Tampa Bay. Oh, well, I mean, Tampa did not have Aaron Murray in week two, and that didn't make much of a difference. Well, actually, it did because they tripled the amount of points they scored week one, albeit that's not very much just for nine points. Uh, they look horrible. They really look tragic on offense, and their defense isn't anything special either. They were really relying on that offense to be, you know, sort of their moneymaker and, you know, being able to score 20, 30 points. But clearly the XFL is, you know, it's a different different league. So building on that offense kind of hasn't worked out for them. And whatever Mark Tressman doing is not working. Um, I'm I'm unsure if Aaron Murray will be back this week. I'm unsure if he'll make a difference either way. Um, DC is probably the second best team in the XFL right now, if not the first. I think they're a little more well-rounded than Houston, uh, maybe just with a little less talent. Uh, But either way, uh, I think DC destroys this. Okay, all right. So which team are you taking for the Houston-Tampa Bay matchup? Oh, it's Houston? Oh, either way, Houston, yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And you're taking them with the points, Miles? Yeah. All right, I'm taking Houston with the points. You knew that was coming. That's my team. I'm going to go next to you, Vaughn. How do you see this game? Yeah, I, I think that this six is too low. I really thought that was going to be a higher spread, the way that Houston can move the ball, especially passing. They've been impressive through two weeks. And Seattle hasn't scored a touchdown. I mean, they've had 12 points for two weeks. Why is this spread six? Um, I don't think it's crappy at all, even though it's a road game. So I got to back Houston on this one easily, whether Murray plays or not. Perfect. Steve, going to you next. How do you feel about the Roughnecks? Yeah, laying six for Houston there is, is way too easy because Houston looks Houston actually looks like a pretty good fucking football team. Yeah. P- P- PJ, PJ Walk is good. Three touchdowns last week. That, that, and, like, the way he's – the plays he's making, moving around back there, throwing people off, that kid's good. He's got a nice little arm on him. But uh, T- Tampa Bay, I, dude, I don't know. They, they – 
they looked horrible again two weeks in a row. And I don't understand why he doesn't run uh, Quentin Flowers full time. I know. Because the, the offenses look better when he's in there to me. But yeah, I, I got to take Houston with the points. That's easy. Perfect. Paul, bring us in on this one. Way too much PJ Walker for Tampa Bay. <laughs> uh, I think, I, I don't know why this is just six. This should have been like nine or 10, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like PJ Walker's definitely putting his name out there to be the XFL MVP. <laughs> and Tampa Bay, I mean, honestly, Seattle, if they didn't keep shooting themselves in the foot, I mean, they played that pretty much that whole second half in the other end. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, so if you do that against Houston, you're giving up 30. There's no doubt. Perfect, perfect. We're going to take our talents over to Seattle. That's a good segue there. Seattle hosting Dallas coming in. Dallas, four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Miles, bring us, in, bring us in with this segment as well. Uh, Seattle, wow, I really slept on them in week two. Um, I mean, they won, which is always good, but they played Tampa Bay, which, you know, they're not very good. Um, this is going to be an interesting matchup. I say this is probably game of the week competitive-wise because – I think the other three games are just going to be blowouts. Uh, but uh, this will be the one to watch simply because it's two teams that are probably about the same level. That Landry Jones debut was awful. You were hoping a lot more out of that with Bob Stoops and Landry Jones back together. But, uh, I mean, you know, riding Cameron Artis Payne and uh, uh, the other running back, Matt Jones. No, sorry, that's not uh, Lance Dunbar, uh, you need to ride those two guys. Uh, all the way to the end and not keep the ball on Landry Jones' hands. Uh, so I think it's going to be a good game. Seattle's defense versus Dallas's offense, see what happens. But in the end, I think Seattle pulls this out. Perfect. Now let me go ahead and go over to you, Steve. How do you see this game going? I'm sorry. I missed you guys right away. What's this game? It's Dallas and who? Seattle. Seattle. Dallas and Seattle. Ah. Yeah, Dallas didn't look great last week either, and Seattle doesn't look too great. I, I have to take Dallas because I still think they're a better team. What's the points? Four and a half. Four and a half? Yeah, I'm not going to take that because I don't, I don't know with Dallas's offense. Okay. Sorry, I, I had a homeless guy situation over here. Oh, not a problem. <laughs> not a problem. We're used to that here, <laughs> apparently. <coughs> if he wants to chime in, just let us know. All right. Paul, what about you? Yeah, I'm not going near him. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I feel like uh, Silver's is just going to make a big mistake. Uh, he's done it the first two weeks. I don't see anything changing. Uh, I think Dallas will score a defensive touchdown. Landry Jones will look a little bit better. They'll pound the ball with uh, Dunbar and Artis Payne, and they'll win that game by a touchdown. So I'll take Dallas in the points. Perfect. I am taking Dallas with the points as well. I just believe Stipson and Jones will just keep getting better. I think that offense will start to flow. Can't can't deny that Lance Dunbar is probably going to be the best running back in the league eventually. So, um, just, you know, former Cowboy. All that on next to the drafting. <laughs> now, now Paul Von. Verify. <laughs> Von, bring this one up. Uh, wrap this one up. Who do you have in this matchup? Yeah, I'm riding with Dallas with the points as well. Offense. You know, Landry Jones didn't look the best, but he still went 28 of 40 for 305 yards. Um, it'll only get better from here. They have a good running game behind them. And I just I just like the all-around offensive talent they have. I'm going to back them here. I'll take them by a touchdown. Minus four and a half sounds pretty good to me. 
Yep. Perfect. Now we're going to go to the big spread of the week, which is the St. Louis Battlehawks nine-point favorites over the Guardians of New York. I'm going to start this one off with Steve. How do you feel about those uh, Guardians being almost, uh, you know, a touchdown and full field goal underdogs? Uh, it should be more than that because the Guardians look fucking pathetic. <laughs> that defense was overrated, for one. The defense was a little overrated. They still have that. Not horrible, but they were overrated from week one. And, I mean, what's what's the quarterback situation looking like over there right now? They, they, they can't possibly run with McGloin again, right? Yeah, that's true. But that means sideline meltdowns. And I keep sticking in a, a camera in a guy's face in a bad moment because we are getting the best fucking reactions. I can't, I can't believe the way he ripped his team apart like that. I can't, can't believe he was blaming everyone else. It was so good. It's, it's, yeah, that's my, that's actually my favorite pod so far. And there's been good football. <laughs> um, I had like St. Louis is the third best team in the league. Uh, Really like that quarterback. Uh, I want to keep an eye on him. I uh, don't really know how to pronounce his name. That's why I'm not saying Tamu? it. Tamu? Miles, how do you say it? I'm sorry, who are we talking about? The St. Louis quarterback. How do you say his name? Jordan Tiamau. Yeah, Tiamau. All right. All right. Yeah, well, yeah he, he, he looks nice in that, you know, in that pistol offense they're running. Uh, you know, I, I like it. He makes good decisions back there. And, uh, New York, I don't know. It's just, it, it's so bad. I, I think they have locker room problems there. So I'm going to lay it with the with St. Louis this week. I, I'll lay it and see what happens. Yeah, I think this is the toughest game of the week for me after seeing that quarterback controversy happen. Um, and Matt McGloin said something about his coach at halftime. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so yeah. I mean, that's, that's not a good look at all. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, as far as the locker room issues, I might have to text my boy, uh, Demetrius, and see what's Yeah. Get the impact. Yeah. Yeah, 10 points, and I thought that I was even. Um, so, yeah, long story short, hate to say it since I'm supposed to be the Guardians expert, but I'm taking the battle. <laughs> Okay, Gilbride, I plead to you, I plead to you, please put Louis Perez into the fucking game already. Come on, this guy exploded in the AAF last year, got an NFL job, not really an opportunity, but certainly proved that he could make his way there. And if you want him to, if you want to start scoring in this league, put him in. That's all you got to do. Uh, I don't see it happening. I, uh, yeah, I don't see it happening yet, uh, but I'm so high on that Tiamalu kid. I love him. I loved him coming out of Ole Miss. I love him right now. He's going to be in the NFL next year with Philip Walker and Cordell Jones for sure. Um, so St. Louis is going to ride this all the way, whether they throw it or run it. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, I kind of mentioned it before when I thought we were talking about DC, but uh, it was, uh, but yeah, DC is a well-rounded team led by a great quarterback, <coughs> one with the most experience. And a fun stat I read is that uh, Cardale Jones has not lost a game as a starting quarterback. Isn't that crazy? Uh, since he's, since he's come into, <laughs> yes, he also he also has thirteen wins and you have zero. That's true. I've also never started a game as quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, Cardell Jones, he looks. Uh, I mean, Philip Walker's got the arm, and he looks like you know, sort of like the Lamar Jackson kind of of the XFL, maybe of the Pat Mahomes kind of. But I like Cardell Jones, the well-rounded quarterback that's really going to lead DC deep into maybe to the championship. I mean, it's going to say deep into the playoffs. But it's only like two games, including the championship. So, um, I really like DC's chances. Uh, so, I mean, they're just going to walk all over whoever the hell they're playing. I wasn't even listening. DC all the way. Uh, I'm going to have to take DC. What was the points? Eight. Uh, oh, shit. They're playing yeah, LA. That's my team. The play, I guess LA. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give it to him because I, I I like Miles touching on Kyle Jones. He looks really fucking good. Except so does Josh Johnson. I have to say he uh, he made some pretty good throws himself last week. But I, I I'll give DC eight against him. Spruce and Johnson are awesome. Yeah, well, I, as a lifelong Defenders fan, I have taken <laughs> two weeks in a row on the spread. They've come through. Uh, I'll do it. For a third week, but that Nelson Spruce kid, he'll definitely get some looks from the NFL. You know, keep an eye on him if you're watching the game this week. He, he's a good, he's a good look. Yeah, this is going to be the DC Defenders' first road game of the season. I saw how good they've looked in the first two home ones. Um, the Wildcats played their opening game on the road against the Roughnecks and got roughed up, <laughs> no pun intended. But uh, And then they uh, had a home game loss against the Renegades, who's also a great-looking team. I'm going to take them on the eight-and-a-half here to cover it, the Wildcats, but I'm not going to take them to win as DC should get this victory. But I think this might be the game where we see Cardell kind of come down a little bit because he's, uh, he's balling out of control right now. It looks like his first three games at Ohio State. Plus, 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 the L.A. defense is great, and Sean Oakman is the best defensive player in the XFL. And and he's 6'9 and, like, 300 pounds, so that should just be and enough. scary right as fucking shit. <laughs> I think anyone who's 6'9 and 300 pounds is pretty fucking scary. Hey there, this is your host, Ernest Silva, at the Sport Gene with the Into the Lab podcast. Due to some technical issues and a server crash with our recording server, we will, no long, we will not be able to show you or be able to let you listen to our NBA picks for this week. However, we'll post every day on Twitter. That way you can see what our sports scientist picks are for the NBA week and because there's a lot of great matchups. What I really wanted to say was thank you. Thank you to all of you who support us. Thank you for all of your uh, listens, your reviews, your feedback, and we wish that we could invite everybody on for some hot takes and hot debates on our show. Our, our show is going on the road. We'll be going to Boston in March, where we'll be at the ESPN Sports Analytics Conference Live. We'll also be in Vegas in April and May for the NFL Draft and NBA playoff season, and then in Seattle for the Astros premiere in Seattle against the Mariners. 
So if you want to follow along or if you're in those cities and want to be a part of the podcast, the Intel Lab podcast, join us and send me a direct message on Facebook at The Sport Gene. Now, we have switched motherships and we are now with the Blue Collar Sports Network and we really encourage collaboration with other podcasts. So if you're another podcast out there, if you want to be a sports scientist or a sports analyst for Into the Lab, join us. Be a part of the sports uh, network that we're joining here at Blue Collar Media Group, and we would love to have you a part of our show. Hard work, strong takes, entertainment to your ears. The Blue Collar Sports Network. Hope everybody has a great Thursday. Goodbye. You've been listening to analysis from around the NFL and NBA on the Sports Genes Into the Lab podcast. Send your questions on www.thesportgene.com or on the Anchor app. And follow the Sports Gene on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Overtime Heroics today. Today.